Awesome. Well, good morning, Voice. It is so good to see you. I was just standing here waiting, looking around. It is good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to see people here. Thank you for keeping your distance and finding a way to do it safely, but it's just so good to be together in person. If you are connecting online today, we invite you back. Uh, it's working. It may not be, I mean, we may be raining some weeks and windy other weeks, but we're getting it done. I'm so proud of our church. Ah, oh, so good. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the elders here, and it is a privilege. It is a privilege to teach at this church. I don't take it lightly, and I pray that today that we would catch the message that God has for us as a church. I'm going to get into it more, but I believe this week is pretty important in our life as a church. We're going to unpack that a little bit, but let's say a, a quick prayer as we get into it today. So, Lord, we just thank you that, that Jesus chose to come. He didn't have to, but he chose to come and get us. Today, as there's so many layers of things that are important in our life going on all at the same time, Holy Spirit, would you help reveal to us what sits in that top seat in our life? Today on the day of Pentecost, we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence. It's God's power. It's God's person with us, with all believers. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit, not because he's not here already, but because we want to be more aware of him. Today, may this message, may this church service, may our relationships and actions please you and bring glory to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, it has been a wild ride as a church. Can you agree? It's been a wild ride. This is not what I felt like I was called to when I was called to voice. You know, we didn't know what was coming, but I'm so glad that we're here. This is not the path we imagined. It's definitely not the path we chose. But it's been so good. It's been so good because God has been faithful. Because God has been faithful, and I believe that we are doing our best to be faithful as well. Do you Have you ever had a conversation in recent memory, a conversation that changed your life? I remember walking up the driveway to, uh, to talk to my future, hopefully, my future father-in-law, and he knew it was coming. I was about to ask for his blessing, his, his daughter's hand in marriage, and he chose that day to wear, I think, the smallest t-shirt ever known to man. He's like a bodybuilder. He's super, super buff and, and built. And he chose to wear the shirt. I've never seen it before. I've never seen it since. But that was the shirt meant to intimidate Ariel, right? Yep. He did that on purpose. I remember asking, as uh, Pastor Natalie said, I remember asking my wife to marry me. And I knew that conversation was going to change my life, hopefully for the better, which it did. Praise the Lord. I remember the conversation for the second time. Surprise, you're going to be a dad. Second surprise. And mo maybe more recently, when our house that we just purchased in Corona, when our house finally closed in a crazy market. And I'm sure there's so many big, small, and medium conversations that have changed our life. But you know when you're in one of those conversations and you kind of like wake up and you realize this, I am in the moment where I know this conversation is going to change who I am. 
And I think that is the context to which we start our story from Scripture today. I believe that this is a conversation that is supposed to change the people in the story, their life, and those of us who read it as well. This is the moment where this conversation with Jesus is supposed to change who we are. In Mark 10, Matthew 19, and Luke 18, which is where we're going to be today, there's a story of a rich young ruler. Maybe you've heard this story before. If you're just joining us, this is a series that we've been working on for a long time now, where we're going verse by verse through the book of Luke. And it's a series that we call Getting to Know Jesus, Getting to Know the Real Jesus, where it's maybe an introduction or a reintroduction to who Jesus is. And I find that as we've gone through this series slowly, it is like we are following Jesus on the adventure of a lifetime. This is not what we, this was not part of like the church planting manual or pathway, but this is the way that our Savior Jesus has led us. And I believe that this is a big step in that today. So, the rich young ruler. Now, all three, we call these the synoptic gospels. These are the ones that are most similar to each other. All three of these gospels record this conversation. All three of them. There's different angles, different highlights in each, but they all want us to, to say today, to consider how our lives change because of this conversation that this seemingly random guy has with Jesus. See, I think this story falling on this Sunday is perfectly positioned to be what we need to hear as a church. And when I say we, I don't mean like leadership, elders, key volunteers, ministry leaders. I mean we. Those of you who are here, those of you who call voice home, those of you who are watching online, if you call voice home, you are included in this conversation today. We are perfectly positioned to hear from God and to let our lives change because of it. Luke 18, we're going to be in verses 18 through 30. We're going to walk through these kind of verse by verse. If you have a Bible, you can open it up on your phone. It'll be on the screen and I'll also be reading it out loud, but we'll start there. Luke 18, 18 starts with a good question. I'm a Bible teacher at a Christian school in Corona, and I always say, my, my students would just roll their eyes right now, that if you start with a good question, you get better answers. But if you start with a bad question, it's, it's hard to get the conversation going. And I think this question is an excellent start. This ruler, this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. So who's speaking here? Well, this is probably a Pharisee. Why do we think that? Because he's called teacher, or in those days, rabbi, and he's also referred to as being religious and rich. And that was kind of the resume of a Pharisee. And what we also think is, since this is a religious leader, we are not supposed to assume that this religious teacher, that this religious ruler doesn't know the answer to the question. So right off the bat, I want to get you thinking, if this person already knows the answer, or he thinks he knows the answer, then what is he really asking in this question? Listen to the question of good. Good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that word inherit is interesting. It's like you, you get something from somebody just because you're connected, whether through blood or relationship. In Matthew and in Mark, the word that is recorded in this question, the same story told a different way, is the word, the English word merit. Now, the difference between merit and inherit is that for, for merit, you earn it. You earn it. He's saying, what must I do? Like, what task, what religious right, what position, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I love that this guy kind of exposes his heart, starts the conversation off with a bang, with just a simple phrase. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And then to add on to that, in Luke 10, just a few chapters before this, Jesus is actually asked the same question again. So this is not the first time he hears it. And Jesus' answer to, the, to this question the first time is the Good Samaritan, that classic famous parable and so we have to assume that this guy comes to jesus thinking that he knows the answer and he thinks that he is about to test jesus about the kingdom and jesus knows i think he knows this immediately he picks up on his angle and he responds jesus says in verse 19 why do you call me good and I can imagine the guy, whoa, what? People watching? What? Wait, that's, what? what? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because no one is good except God alone. He challenges the foundation of the question. He challenges his deeper belief. He says, who's here to test who? Who's here to test who? Jesus isn't saying that he's not God here. He's challenging this young, rich ruler's superficial understanding of goodness. Let me say that again. He's challenging this ruler's superficial understanding of goodness. And here's what Jesus is saying to him, I think. He's saying political privilege isn't good. Not in the way God is good. Power, prestige, wealth isn't good. Not in the way that God is good. Jesus says that only God himself is good. He, he assumes the perspective of the ruler. And then listen, here's the change, the pivot in the midst of the conversation. He directs his attention to God. And he knows that this rich young ruler, he knows that he is not ready to call Jesus good until he's ready to call Jesus God. He's not ready to call Jesus good until he's ready to call Jesus God. And I wonder if that's where you are at today. I don't know where you're at, and you're, you have permission to be right where you're at. If you're still considering what it really means to put your life, your trust, your faith in Jesus, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad that you're connected you're not ready to understand what is really good in life until you understand that only God is good. And once you see that God is good, no deed, no deed 
can earn the kind of goodness that God is. It just doesn't work like that. I love that Jesus deconstructs his question, sends the conversation in a different direction. And so Jesus continues, verse 20. He says, you know the commandments, because he's a Pharisee. You do, do not commit adultery, and these are the Ten Commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not lie or bear false witness. Honor mother and father, and on and on. Verse 21, and he says, the rich young ruler responds, he says, I've kept all of these from my youth. Like, I'm ready for my, uh, my attaboy. I'm ready for my pat on the back. I'm ready for you to confirm that I am on my way to earning kingdom. And Jesus responds with a challenge. Because I think in his own mind, this rich young ruler, he's doing pretty well. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, there's one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. Give it away. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. See, Jesus exposes his lack. He exposes the fact that although he is extremely rich and he is extremely well positioned, that he is actually living in poverty. Not in the way, not in the definition that the world would say, but in the way that God sees him, this guy is living in poverty. But Jesus, being Jesus, exposes the truth, identifies the fact that he still lacks something important. And he doesn't leave him there. He exposes the lack, and then what does he do? He invites him into relationship. Because that's what Jesus does still to this day. He tells us the truth in love, and he invites us out of that poverty and into relationship with him. In Luke 9, Jesus articulates his call. He says he invites people to deny themselves, to pick up their cross, and to follow him. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Now, what's so interesting is this person, whoever Jesus is talking to, is not named. So we're kind of led to believe that this person walks away. We think that because in verse 23, he says, when he heard these things, he became extremely sad. And I think the English words don't do it justice. He was devastated. He was very sad for he was, and then on the other end of the spectrum, for he was extremely rich. I want you to see the wordplay there. He was extremely rich. But he's wasted his life for something that's temporary. He has put his trust into something that's not worthy of his trust. And I think his reaction exposes his true love here. And this is a difficult message for a church that is a month away from not having a building, has just survived a pandemic that was a new church to start with. In the middle of Orange County, where our lure to invest in the wrong things is at an all-time high. In fact, that's the Orange County culture. Not pointing fingers here, because I'm a part of it, just like anyone else. This guy walks away because he was extremely rich. 
And because he was extremely rich, he was devastated. He's invested in the wrong thing. This is the conversation that he knows is going to change his life. Verse 24 and 25, the conversation continues. And I think what Jesus, what happens here is this guy turns and maybe walks away, and Jesus addresses his disciples or others who are watching. And he says, seeing that this guy has become sad, he said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now pause. I don't think Jesus is just speaking about people who have a lot of material possessions. He's speaking about people first in these days who thought that the possession of wealth meant that you were in the kingdom. They thought wealth was an evidence of their salvation. God had blessed them. And if you, weren't, if you didn't have this wealth, it was because you were living in sin. And Jesus points this out and he says, for people like that who think that their wealth is going to save them, it is difficult. Now, I spent several days on this verse, verse 25. It's easier to go for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, what I always heard growing up, maybe you've heard this too, is that there was uh, like a, an entry door into the, like a fortified city with a big wall. And it was called the eye of a needle because it was a really short door. So if you were riding a camel or if you were uh, kind of leading a camel, they had to squat down. And, and so the, to go through this door was really difficult. And I just kind of took that. And I believed that. And I think that's a good translation. But for some reason, God led me to, to, to see this differently this week. And I realized that actually there's more evidence that the eye of a needle was this common phrase for the small opening in a home. So imagine like a doggy door in a house. And there's no way that a camel is going to fit through a doggy door. Jesus isn't saying that rich people just have a tough time. He's actually, I think, saying it is impossible for somebody who puts their trust in themselves, who puts their trust in their wealth to get into the kingdom because that's not how it works. I think that there's evidence for this in verse 26 and 27. Those who heard what Jesus has just said asked, then who can be saved? I love that question. That is the question. Verse 27, he said, what is impossible with man, which is the camel through the eye of the needle, is possible with God. Now today, I hope and pray that today you are going to have a conversation with God that will change the trajectory of your life. I hope the conversation that you have with God today challenges you to become a little bit more like Christ. If you have misplaced your faith, I think today it's possible to have relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter where you've come, what you've done or haven't done. Jesus wants to expose the fact that you need him and then start relationship. Who can be saved? Anybody that puts their faith in Jesus. And I love this teaching point. Anybody can be saved. And Peter, you know, the story could end today and it would preach super well. 
But Peter just has a Peter moment here. I just identify with this guy. He is so bold and so dumb and so awesome. I'm so glad he's in the Bible because it helps me feel more at home. And Peter says this. He says, see, well, we have left our homes and followed you. You know, Jesus, like, can you give me some kudos here? That guy missed it. But look, I get the I get the point. Look, I've done this. We've left our homes and followed you. And I think that's, that's awesome that they did. And he said to them, truly, Jesus responds, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, wife, brother or sister, parent or child for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. Jesus responds by saying, it is worth it. It is worth it. It makes sense to sell everything, give it away to the poor, and follow Jesus because that investment is worth it. Have you ever invested in the wrong thing? I have. Whether it's time, money, relationships. Today is a day that Jesus wants to call you out of the wrong investment and into the one that's going to last longer that's going to be more meaningful that's just flat out more important as i was thinking about this i'm going to walk off screen grab this chair as i was thinking about this this kind of illustration popped in my head see to relate this now to our church to my christian walk maybe to you is i think that we work so hard to build to build up like the foundation we spend so long raising funds and practicing disciplines and, and, and starting relationships with people so that we have a really, really great foundation, and we need that. But I think sometimes what happens is we invest so much in the foundation that we release, we release our focus on Jesus to build this thing so that we ultimately just get to sit down. Ah. <sighs> And I think what Jesus wants to do today is as soon as we start to get comfortable, he wants to pull us right out of that chair. See, what I think happened is this rich young ruler had spent his life, I mean, he was following the commandments. That's a good thing. But what he's done is he's placed his trust. And as soon as he wants to relax in the fact that he's got it, Jesus pulls him out of the chair. And says it's not about staying in that comfort zone. It's about following Jesus on the adventure that is the kingdom of God. See, church, we are a month away about from not having a place to meet on Sunday. And I think that in this moment, there's a choice that you and I need to make. And it's not just about voice. It's about the people. It's not just about voice. It's about the people of voice. It's about the people of Tustin, the people of the world. We have maybe some evidence in our life right now that tells us that this is the time to just, just be done. That things are just not working out. It's too hard. I mean, we can't find a building. It rained last week. Like, what's going on, right? And I know that the pastors and myself 
have been feeling like we've literally lost sleep over this this week, as recent as last night during our 24 hours of prayer, that we are feeling opposition. Pastor Taka says just this heavy, kind of feels like this heavy weight on him. Pastor Natalie and I woke up at similar times all through the night last night. There is somebody in our world that does not want this church to succeed. We serve a very real God, and we also know that that means there is also a very real enemy. And I think that my, the heart of my message today is that if you are trusting more in that comfort, Jesus wants to pull you out of that seat and say, if you would just hold on a little bit longer, God is up to something good. God is up to something good. And it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. We are on the right path because there is so much opposition, church. Me and my wife spent a year in Africa, uh, in, in East Africa, the country of Uganda, with missionaries that were just crazy. I mean, they have done stuff and experienced things that are just crazy. So we're sitting around the table, and it's like a missionary gathering. And we're like the young kids on the block. They've been there for decades. And I re- we were sitting, listening to this story. So they told this story, and we're just listening in the corner. They were saying, hey, you remember that time we were in the car, and uh, uh, we, we jumped we, we did the bridge thing, and we're like, wait, wait, wait. Tell me the story. Here's the story. They were traveling from one place to another in, in Africa, which means usually by car or by taxi, not on roads that are paved, dirt roads on the side of cliffs. If you break down, if you don't have a tire, you don't call AAA, you figure it out, right? And so what they do is they try to plan and have all their supplies, but at the end of the day, it just happens how it happens, so their, their story starts, the missionaries are in this car, they're all sharing a vehicle, they're, they're uh, going from one town to another, and they realize as they get about to the top of this hill, uh, a steady decline, they realize just as they get over the hill, the driver realizes that the brakes are gone. And if you hit the e-brake, it's sometimes worse because it's dirt roads. You could slide and, and, oh, by the way, this road is on the side of a bit of a cliff. And they are steadily increasing speed, flying down this hill. And the brakes are out. And so immediately they start praying. They start praying. And as they're telling the story, I'm like getting nervous. They're laughing about it because they're crazy. You know, just, they're just having a great time reminiscing on the story. And as they get down to the bottom, they're they're about halfway, they see a bridge. And the hill kind of dips, and the bridge comes up. And they're hurtling down this hill, now picking up speed, picking up speed. And they just decide in the moment, they're just going to ride it out. It's going to ride it out. They don't feel like they have any other options. Now, what they don't know is the bridge actually is incomplete. That there is no way to go over the bridge. It just has fallen down or what's not finished or whatever. And as they're hurtling down the hill, they realize that now they are going to jump this bridge. 
And they do. They barrel down. The car lifts, and it's like they just sail right over to the other side. And as soon as they hit ground on the other side, the brakes work, and they come to a stop. And then the missionaries around the table just, ha, 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 pass the coffee. Like, you guys are crazy. And I've been thinking about this story all week because what they thought was the problem was actually the thing that they needed to stay safe. What they thought was the problem from a different perspective was God giving them what they needed, was God being faithful in that moment. See, sometimes our perspective is limited. We don't even know what God is up to sometimes, maybe most of the time. But God is faithful to his people. See, I believe as a church that we're in that car right now, going down that hill, and maybe the, we're pumping the brakes trying to slow down. We're thinking about bailing out. We're thinking about options. And God just wants us to keep going, to keep going, because he's up to something good. So we took the last 24 hours to pray. And those of you who took some time, we had people sign up. And, and we're going to do it again this upcoming Saturday to pray for the needs in our world. If you would like, if you missed that, uh, there's another opportunity coming up. We'll get you connected. Talk to Pastor Natalie or myself. We'll get you there. Thank you for praying. But I wanted to close this service today with an encouragement to say, I think if you are willing to let this conversation change who you are a little bit today, that you would hold on, whether it's in the community of, of faith here at Voice or with that key relationship at home or with just putting your faith in Jesus for the first time, you've been on the fence and just today I want to encourage you to lean in to lean in because God will meet you there. I want to close the service today by just extending that time of prayer that we've had to pray, take a minute or two to pray for a space. We feel like we're called to Orange County, to spe specifically to Tustin, and we just need God to provide for us. And I think God wants to, but he wants us to meet him there. So if you could, just take a moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand. If you could just get into a comfortable position, I'm going to ask you just to put your hands up like this. Maybe it's just uh, palms up on your lap, whatever is comfortable. I'm going to ask you to pray for our church today, and I'll lead us out and give you little prompts, give you a couple seconds of space to do that. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray in your mind. If you would like to pray out loud, feel free. But we need to be praying, not so that God shows up, so that we don't miss it, so that we don't miss it. So let's pray. Lord, we need for you, as always, to provide for us today. And here's the thing. We have so much evidence that you always come through, God, that we're not worried about it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't pray about it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned or care. But God, we are not worried about it because it's not our job. It's your job. Lord, we pray today for the perfect location. We pray today for the perfect person or group of people to lease or to rent or to own from, to buy from. God, today as a church, we've been praying for 24 hours straight for you to answer our prayer. So we'll just take a minute now and let the congregation, whether you're watching online or here, just take a minute and let the people speak to you.
to lift up this prayer. So go ahead, church, take the next 30 seconds and let's lift up this request to God. Go ahead. it's not about a building, it's about people. So we pray for our church, not just in its physical space, but in its community, in its relational sense. God, would you continue to put us in position to the people that need us most in Tustin, that we would love on them. God, that you would lead us to local ministries to partner with. God, that people who don't know you at all would be introduced to Jesus through us. Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us how to do that more? And then lastly, this conversation that the rich young ruler had with you thousands of years ago is still relevant today because I know I am always tempted to put my trust in the wrong thing, whether it's wealth, whether it's relationship, prestige, power, whatever it is, God, the only person, the only thing worthy of my trust is you. God, would you renew that commitment? For, for anybody in here who wants to renew that commitment, God, would we just, would you come and meet us right where we're at today? And as Pastor Taka and Natalie say all the time, and we'll close with this, God, in a hundred years, in a hundred years from now, will we look back and say we're so happy, we're so glad about our decisions today, or will we, ha we have regrets? Today, a hundred years from now, God, help us to make the decision that matters most to the people then that they would inherit a church, that they would inherit things, God, that would continue building kingdom, that would invest in the eternal, not the earthly. Holy Spirit, would you just tell us, remind us, shout to us, whisper to us how much you love us today because that is why we respond the way that we do, because you love us. Lord, as we sing this next song, I pray that the conversation continues, that we, you would spur us into action. And God, we are ready and waiting for what you're going to do next. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.